0: And here we go once again. Hi there. There's a guy walking outside my window. I'm just saying hello. I'm a nice guy, a friendly person here coming to you live from the Blue Wire Studios, which we're calling Blue Wire HQ, by the way. That's the first time I've heard that. Just the other day, it was called Blue Wire HQ. So that's what I'm going to start calling it from now on in. This is the win, the hotel resort casino, beautiful place to be on the planet. I can do whatever I can call it whatever I want. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can, can the audience hear you or is that just a voice in my head? Okay, great. Well, um, audience, I apologize. I have voices in my head. Either way, I am Eric Winalda and this is For the Win. I am Eric Winalda. I accidentally today thought I was just getting one of those little, like a grapefruit drink. turns out there's a little bit of something special in there. And uh, yeah, so if I'm a little bit on it, a little off edge, I should say, this grapefruit drink took the edge off. So it should be a fun, fun show. Okay, look here, here's the deal. And the last one, I was really curious about this Chelsea situation, but it's the international break. I have miscalculated. I am going to have to change paths on you. I apologize. If you want the Chelsea conversation, wait till next week. We have the international break. The United States has to play against Mexico in less, well, a little over 48 hours. I'll go through that list. The European draw is out. I want to talk about that. As far as the Champions League is concerned, and they're doing things differently this year. I think I put, it, put something out there. Like, uh, I think the draw will be this. They put it into brackets. First time ever. So like, you're, once you're in the bracket, you're in the bracket. You can't get out. There's no more drama. It's just odd. I'm, I'm going to have to figure that out. So the Champions League draw is as follows. Man City gets Atletico. Chelsea gets Real Madrid. How about that? Liverpool, Benfica, Bayern, Villarreal. So I think my predictions were somewhat right. But I think I missed two of them. So it was... 50%, whatever. The Europa League draw, uh, Leipzig gets at Atalanta, West Ham gets Lyon, Frankfurt gets Barcelona, Rangers, Braga. I'm just saying it now, bet on this. Barcelona wins that whole thing. There's, I just don't think there's a doubt in my mind that they win the whole thing. And here's the reason why. Barcelona is Barcelona again. They are back to their old ways. They bring back their manager and they are, uh, well, they bring back Xavi, who is now their manager, and it just looks like they never missed a beat. If you missed it, the Classico was not so classic for Ancelotti and friends. 4 0. Could have been 6. It could have been 7. It could have been 8. I, it was so bad. It was so bad. I think Ancelotti's comment was everything went wrong. Man, nothing went right. But if, if, and to go to Madrid and to do that, it's just really, really cool. And, and, you know, the, the 5-0 victory that uh, Barcelona had many years ago, Xavi participated in that. Apparently, he was in the stadium hours before the game watching that. And then it ended up almost happening for him. Should have been five. Ended up uh, a 4-0, just, a, just pelting. It was, it was fairly terrific. The Chelsea situation, we'll get to we'll get to next week. I apologize if if you were hanging on my every word there, which I'm pretty sure you weren't. But uh, I, I don't want to talk about Chelsea this week. I got to talk about the national team. This thing has the makings of an absolute mess. There's a lot of things to talk about. There's a lot of pieces uh, to this puzzle that are being put together. Greg Berhalter criticize him, love him, hate him, whatever. The number one problem that he has outside of the fact that he's got to go to uh, Azteca and probably what might be the last time that this game really has serious, serious implications and relevance. But he's got to make a decision in the goal. It's a big one too. It's a really big one. And to take you back to the summer, you know, it was Ethan Horvath he comes off the bench and has that magical moment. And uh, it, you know didn't have such a magical moment the other day against Liverpool. But, uh, and his FA Cup dreams don't uh, finish well. But the truth is, is, man, watching Zach, he looked a little unnervy. I wasn't happy with the goal that Sean Johnson conceded, so I can't see him stepping in. But Ethan Horvath has got to be our keeper. He's got to be our keeper in, the, in this game. I, you know, And you're not on the inside. You don't know how these guys are going to react. You don't know what those conversations actually are. But I do believe that the number one thing that we need to worry about is going to be our goalkeeper on Thursday against Mexico. All right, so a couple of additions have been made due to injury. Scully is still not on this list. has got a lot of people upset about that. So it's going to be Bello, Cannon, Eric Palmer Brown, uh, Aaron Long will join the squad, um, Anthony Robinson, um, whatever. I don't know if I'm okay with the whole Jedi thing. Miles Robinson, Sands, DeAndre Yedland, and Zimmerman, who actually got a goal this week. Uh, and I'm not going to get into the whole what happened with Salt Lake and uh, Nashville? Not yet. Dax you know, losing his mind, which was was interesting to say the least. Very uh, top heavy team in, in the sense that Kellen Acosta, Adams, Busio, Luca De La Torre is suddenly incredibly important to this team. Christian Roldan and Musa um, are in that midfield slot. So only six midfielders, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine forwards. Okay. So Brendan Aaronson's injury is a little bit worse than than thought. So he has arrived and it doesn't look like he's going to play. Paul Ariol had a good weekend with uh, his buddy Jesus Ferreira uh, at Dallas, both getting goals and looking the part. And still, uh, certainly, that love affair with Greg Berhalter has, has continued. Jordan Morris, who's been up and down, but uh, he'll be there. Ricardo Pepe is on this team and Josh Sargent is not. Jordan Pifok is, is also there from Young Boys. Good to see him come back. Christian Pulisic got off the plane wearing a funny hat, so we'll see what he looks like. Gio Reyna got some minutes, actually a full game. He's a sight for sore eyes, so he's welcome back. And Tim Weah. All right, here's my predictions. So I I have decided that I, I start uh, talking to people who, what they do is is they're they're probability people. These these are not betting odds. These are these are people that evaluate all levels of probability. What could happen? What is going to happen? Nobody can prognosticate anything here, but when you're trying to figure out how this game is going to go, the United States uh, taking on Mexico in Azteca, I wanted to know how these people come up with their, their reasoning. So I, I, I asked the questions and I'm not going to out them. I don't want their names out there in the, in the public because you know, you Twitter people, you'll go nuts on them, but it was really cool. It's a 9.8% chance probability that we're going to beat Mexico. That's it. That's it. 10% at best that we can beat them there. Now, why is that? It's because we've only beat them once in a friendly in all these years and we've never been able to beat them in a in a game that really is relevant at Azteca. And so I was coming at it from uh, an ex-player's perspective. Someone who stepped into that stadium, tried to play in that game. Uh, and and, and I, I call it the, the hindrance because it's everything about the game is going to make the game difficult it's the weather it's the climate it's the elevation it's the smog it's it's the atmosphere it's it's the way that you get to and from the airport to the stadium and the overall feel that you have when you play in this game and it's also that sponge cage uh, grass that hasn't changed at all in the last 25 years it's not an easy place to play and it, it there's you know you, you can go back to Michael Bradley's chip i honest to god i think the that in in that scenario, as great as that goal was, somewhere else probably probably looked a little different. You watch how, how clean the ball flies. It, it, here's, here's one of the things about Azteca that I want to remind everybody. The ball moves quicker. It just does. I can't explain it. There will be a couple of times where when, when, the, when the players will, maybe a ball will slip under their foot or it'll, it'll come at them a little quicker than they thought or it'll jump away from them. There are, there are, these are small little details that will affect the game. So these are the things that I think about, but these probability people, they are all about factoring in stuff that you just don't even think about, right? And then they, then they do the history and then they cross-reference everything and they come up with these crazy odds. And and again, they're not betting odds. They're just basically, this is the, this is what they think is going to happen or the, the probability of, of an outcome. According to them, we only have about a 21% chance of getting a, uh, a tie out of this thing, which uh, there's a bunch of beautiful people. Look at them. Off they go. They're having a good time in Vegas. 20-something percent. It's like 21%. So it, it, and on all, all things included, it looks like it's 69% chance of failure. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the other games and I'm looking at essentially what has transpired in, in the previous games for Mexico, how they've played, who their opponent was. What kind of results did they get? And they, they haven't been fantastic. They, they, it's not the days of when, man, the old days, Canada used to go to, go to Mexico and lose seven, eight, nine, nothing. Just couldn't breathe. But they, those games were in the daytime. All the games are at night now. So it's a very, very different set of circumstances. Now, I, I'm, I honest to God, I, I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at our national team and I, and I just... I know that, that we've we've talked about it. We really have. We've, we've ad nauseum about how talented this group is and how much better they are than any other team we've ever had. Are they? I mean, really? Are they? Can somebody really just, outside of just the perception of reality as opposed to what is actually happening? You know, Sergio goes down with the uh, with the, the thigh injury and uh, he gets repla- replaced by Bello. It's not even the same position. Bello's getting some moments over there in Bielefeld. It's, it's not a particularly good time. It's, it's, it's a team that's really struggling. Losing bad? I think they lost 4-0 over the weekend. Is it about form? Because right now, we need a manager that's going to make the right decisions. We need guys out there who are going to fight. This is not even really about soccer. This is about what is the best team that we can put out there. We do not need a team of experts. We need an expert team. And some of these indications of why someone like John Brooks is no longer with the squad is that he could not adjust to the system. I got news for you, man. If you're going to play in a club team, yeah, you should have a system of play. You really should. The unfortunate reality and, and the fact that so many coaches out there, so many analysts out there who really have, a, you know, maybe it's lack of understanding of what it really takes to qualify, to actually be in a team that needs to play a certain way. It doesn't mean style. It, there's, it, it's, it's really going to come down to aggressiveness. It's going, to be, it's going to be about are you going to win your battles and then are you going to have the calmness to play when it's time to play and which guys are going to be able to do that together. It's this, this, this systematic stuff, you have to play a certain system. All I know about when you, when you really dedicate yourself to a system of play is that if, if you do it 10 times and you have no B plan, everybody knows what you're doing. You're so easy to prepare for. Now, you know, I've, I've played, you know, so many of these games. Being an analyst, you know, more so than anything, I think being an analyst, I was able to prepare uh, my mind to be a better coach because I just spent 15 to 20 years analyzing how teams play. And when you do that, if if you're really, you know, and, and really good coaches will do the same thing. When you have an analytical team and you have a bunch of guys that sit behind computers and break up plays for you and whether you use Y-Scout or whatever you use, you're breaking the game into pieces. And then you present those pieces to the the players because you cannot show game film anymore. You can't do that. You can't, nobody has, nobody just sits and watches a whole game. Nobody does that anymore. You got to break the game into pieces and then you have to present those pieces of this is how they do things. But what happens when you do that and you don't watch the whole game is you don't get a feel of the rhythm of the actual match. That's what's missing a lot in our coaching. Our coaching is all about taking this little snippet and saying, this is the game. And it's not. It's as as if to say everything that I'm about to show you in the next 14 seconds is going to prepare you. We're just trying to make it easy on players now. And I I sat with a couple of players last night. LAFC was playing against um, Vancouver. And, you know, I'm watching the game. I look over at these boys. They got their heads buried in their phones. And then it's, it's always like, oh, what happened? I missed it. That's the modern player. That's the modern mentality. It's just show me what I need to see. You know, I just, just, you know, please just, just break it up for me. Cause I, you know, I, I don't have the uh, wherewithal to, you know, to, to sit here and watch the whole game. Are you kidding me? Is that old school? Is it the fact that I like to watch the entire game? When there's people that know me and have been around me and sometimes I'll make these outlandish predictions and they come true and they say, well, how the hell did you know that? And my answer to that is always because I'm watching the game. And if you have a feel for the game or the rhythm of what may or may not happen, you understand why click-out moments happen. You understand why certain players make mistakes in certain phases of the game. And it's, it's just, it's really interesting to me that that's, that's the way that, that we do things. Now, like going back to this probability thing, they took past results, previous results, who we've played, who they've played, who we're bringing in, who's hurt, who's not, and this, this line just keeps changing and just, you know, it's a constant, it's like an algorithm of all these things added together mean this. And I just don't believe in that for one damn second. Sorry, probability guys. But to tell me that we get a 9% chance to win, it's funny. They factored in our coach, the way he's played in the previous games. The fact that we, it worked against us as far as, as, far as the probability guys are concerned that we're going to win four in a row against Mexico. And then most of the Mexican camp is saying, well, we've been waiting for the important one anyway. To smash you. God, who's to, who's to say they're lying? That might be very true because we certainly have been set up for the knockout punch. But well, let me talk you through it. Okay, so also asking many questions about Costa Rica. I'm fascinated by Costa Rica because they're sitting on 16 points. And, and even though we're sitting on 21, we're not out of danger there. And the, the way that everything is going to look after this first set of games, how Canada plays against Costa Rica and how we do against Mexico, when we figure out where the cards lie after that game, that's when it might get really, really tricky. Looking at, looking at what Canada has been able to do up to this point, that they are a, a terrific team. They really are. And, and they're sitting four points clear in the United States. They got 25, we got 21, and we're, we're looking up. First time in a long time to Canada. But Canada's got to do us a favor right now. They got to take out Costa Rica. Now, even if Costa Rica loses that game, there are realities here. They could essentially, and, and let's, say, let's say we, let's say they, yeah, let, let's start here. These probability guys got me all over the place. But let's say they, they don't get anything out of their, their... So Canada beats them. So Costa Rica now is going into their next game against El Salvador. So they get 19. Let's say they beat them. Or maybe it might be Honduras. I'm not even sure. So they go 19. And if we don't take care of business against Panama, and we're still sitting on 21 or 22, we tire, Costa Rica can catch us with a win at the end. So this is a big week. I saw some of the comments coming out of, um, out of U.S. Camp uh, Berhalter saying that this is by far the most important qualification matches in the history of U.S. soccer. I don't know how my probability guys feel about that one, but that was, that was somewhat over the top. We've been in a spot like this before, and we've gotten through it, and there's other times that we haven't. But we got to get past the one, one, one most important piece, and that is don't ever the wounded animal. And that, and, and that rep- was represented very well by Trinidad and Tobago. Had nothing, nothing to gain outside of pride. The last last go around. And they knocked us out of a World Cup simply because they wanted to. And they wanted it more. Did we, we get a little unlucky? Yeah, it was a weird own goal and couldn't get back in it. But man, oh man, oh man. It's probability people. I don't believe in it to, to all the way. But when they, start, when they start hitting you with their logic, can really mess up your head. Costa Rica, Costa Rica can catch us, folks. They are not completely out of this thing. And if Panama manages to get a result against us, this thing can get nasty. So we got Mexico on a Thursday and then a really quick turnaround. We're already going after it on Sunday uh, against Panama. And that's, uh, that's a terrific, terrific matchup. If, you, if for us, it should be. But if we get it wrong, or we have, if we don't get the first game right, or we, we come limping out of that, we don't have Weston McKinney. We don't have Aronson now. There's a lot of people worried about Gio Reyna. He's got, you know, first time 90 minutes and God knows how long. And he's, he's spinning out of that and gets on a plane for 11 hours. and Now he's got to go to 7,000 feet. That, that's not going to be a fun trip either. All these things, all these things. Managing these three games is, is going to be huge. Absolutely huge. Where are you going to be on Thursday? That's my question. Hit me on Twitter, uh, Eric Winalden, uh, with a little check mark, and uh, let me know where you're going to be. I, I'm not entirely sure yet where I'm going to be. The Outlaws have been asking me to come out to a bar. I think it's um, it's here locally in Vegas. It might be the first time. First time I indulge there, but I have not been good luck uh, in, in these kind of scenarios. I remember going to a huge watch party for the U.S. was trying to qualify yeah, against Trinidad. And then just sitting there, it was miserable because you're, now you're sitting there watching this car crash and, and, and you can't get out of it. It's like a bad dream. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit wary of that. I'm, I'm much better off at home uh, with my pool table and uh, a little Calafino tequila. It usually calms the nerves a little bit. That's usually the way I like to do it. But we'll see, we'll see. But I uh, to hit me up, tell me where you're going to be. Send me pictures. I love all that stuff. Real quick, I don't like to read off all the scores, but some of them were very interesting this weekend because MLS is just crazy. I can't figure it out. I'm just going to say it out loud. I can't figure it out. Inter-Miami is horrible, and they continue to be horrible. I don't know what they're going to do over there. They got to do something. Cincinnati beats them, mainly because they got a forward for once. NYCFC has a trip up against Philly, so they lose 2 nothing. TFC gets a win, finally, for Bob Bradley. That was a weird start. Galaxy, um, not a good trip to Orlando. They lose. Atlanta with an unbelievable comeback with Montreal. Jordy Mihaljevic is a, I I like this kid. I like this kid. He sent me a picture of, of us when he was just a little boy. <laughs> uh, and I'm asking him to sign something. And I had a you know, funny moment. We were texting and I said, see, I knew you were going to be a player. I was asking you for your autograph already. But he had an amazing goal. Uh, nice little step over in front of Brad Gazan. In case you missed it. But what a collapse. What a collapse by uh, Montreal. And some and a goalkeeper that you know, look, Brooks Lennon scores from I don't know how far out. I I, I had to stop the tape. I was like, wait a second, that's thirty five yards out. Yeah, Keeper, kind you of, you can throw your hat on that, and he and he missed it. Charlotte gets a big win against New England, which was cool. That's a that's a pretty good turnaround. San Jose continues to be absolutely dismal. Chicago with a three one over Kansas City. That third goal was. It was being celebrated on uh, on Twitter. What a terrible display of horrible defense. I mean, you talk about a flyby. I mean, I as a coach, I would literally take that little moment late in the game and just show that to every left back in the world and say, this is exactly what not to do. It's this little concept. Push him outside. Don't let him just walk right through. Unbelievable. Really bad. It was, oh, what what an amazing goal. I'm like, it's the worst defending I've seen in years. I don't know. That's just my analytical eye. I apologize for whoever you were, who you're going to have a hard time proving to me over the next couple of weeks that you don't suck. Dallas gets a 4-1 on Portland. Houston won one in Colorado. RSL, uh, Nashville, Dax McCarty with his rush of blood to the head. And he'll have a red card. I don't know what they, if there's been added games to that suspension, but if you missed it, it's kind of going viral on, on Twitter and whatnot. It's, it's interesting. I saw a stat. I think it might have been uh, somebody out of the MLS camp that, that sent that one out. For 401 games, Dax McCarty had zero red cards. And he's got two in his last 12. And they're like, oh, it's amazing. No, that's what happens when you get older. You get bitter and you get angry and you do stuff. It's just everybody thinks, oh, a veteran player would never do that. No, you kind of get to the end of your rope and you start doing weird stuff. Red Bulls won, Columbus won. Fascinating miss from Jossie Zardes, which is probably one of the reasons why he's not on our our U.S. list. Austin one to one with Seattle. So I guess they've stopped their uh, goal scoring escapades. And then you have LAFC who looked pretty good. Pretty good. I think Sharundalo is going to shave his head though, after, after this past game, man, he looked like Friar Tuck down there. That was, uh, I mean, i i remember when the first time I realized I was losing my hair, I, it, it was when it was two times. It was, it was a coaching deal where I was like, Oh my God, really? You see it. And, and then that you can't unsee it. And now you know that, that everybody in the stands knows that you're, you know, you're losing your hair. The other one was at a, at a 7-Eleven. You know when those, those cameras get you? And I'm, I'm walking into 7-Eleven and I kind of look up and I go, oh, wow, that's my head. Wonderful. Time to get a hat. I came to work with a hat today. I think that's why. I'm starting to lose my hair. Starting? What do I mean starting? It's like, it's, I don't know. Let me just get a head shake from the guys in the studio. Yes or no? Do I do it, guys? Do I do um, just for men or no? Yes or no? Do I go the little brown dye hair? I'm getting a double shake. Oh, they're shaking me off. Man, just, you know what you look like you look like Kenley Jansen's catcher when he's when he's asking for anything but a slider. Holy hell, shaking that one off. All right. So all in all, let me break it down for you. I, I, and here's here's my feelings on how we should line up. I've been fighting this one for a while. People say, well, how would you line up? And I'm looking at this team. I just, and let's just go through it. Bellow, Cannon, Long, Palmer Brown, Robinson, Robinson, Sands, Yedlin, Zimmerman. Holy hell. Here's the way I look at it. If I'm playing against those guys, is there any of those guys that scare me? Hell no. Hell no. And I think, I think Miles Johnson's got a, you know, he's got a, he's got a grabby problem. And and I I certainly would have my my goal was always to get somebody a yellow card before halftime then I could have my way with them. I just look at this and I'm thinking to myself, man, we we just don't have a Brooks. We don't. You know, I I think, you know, a guy like Des he's you know, and I think Robinson he's been one of the the bright spots in our team. But in the middle, in the middle we 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 changed it so many times. I I'm, I'm actually going to take a look at how many different combinations we've had in the middle of the park. And it's it's amazing to me also that there's there's players out there that I mean, if, if, if you would have asked me three months, uh three months, two years ago, I would have said, "Where's Matt Miazga? Where's Carter Vickers?" I mean, wh- and these guys that have emerged as players and, and that are going to be key components to our uh, to our qualification process, I just don't have a lot of trust in it. I don't. So I, th- I think it'll be a Robinson, Robinson, Bellow Yedlin, and I do think Zimmerman. It's a great shout, but this is a guy that actually likes to puff out his chest when it's cold or he it. it you got adversity or whatever, and he likes to be a leader and say all that stuff. Yeah, okay, whatever. But uh, I don't like him. I don't like him in this one. And That's just me. I just I, that one makes me a little nervous. So now you got you got some other decisions here. And there's only one, two, three, four, five, six guys that we are considering in our midfield. By the way, I, I you know that just seems like an odd number. There's a couple of guys that could do both. Clearly, like Ariola can go back there, and you could call Jesus Ferreira, even though he had a hat trick on the weekend. He's really a he's really a ten. He's one of those luxury players that doesn't like to play defense and Aronson's out. So that's, um, that's, a, that's a weird one. You can get some running out of Pulisic, but why would you run him into the ground in a game at 7,000 feet? Unwise. So I, I think it'll look like this. I, I think that they'll, they'll, they're going to they're, they're gonna have to slide this thing. It's going to be a 4-3-3, but it's not going to really feel like a 4-3-3. It's just not. It's, it's really going to feel more like a, a four-five-one, one if I'm being honest. And if that is the case, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that Luca De La Torre gets some time here. I don't think this is a game for Busio. I do think Acosta is a good, a good filler for, uh, for Weston. So it'll be Acosta, Adams, Luca De La Torre, and Musa. That's what I think that'll look like. And then they're going to get some help from either Christian Pulisic or Claudio Reyna. I mean, Claudio, Gio Reyna. That's hard for me. I mean, that's, I, mean I play with his dad. Every time I see Reyna, I think Claudio. Now, who plays up front? Who is really, who's really I mean, who's, who is the option? It's, it's, it's weird because I, when, I, when I go through these kind of things, I always think, well, what would Greg do? And then once I go into that mindset, I'm just all over the place. I mean, do you really think it's appropriate to have Ricardo Pepe start in this game? And the only logic in it is the fact that we really aren't supposed to win. Basically, like it's a lose-lose, but a win-win because you, if, if you lose the game, right, the only thing that you can get out of it is the possibility of someone like Ricardo Pepe finding his form in a game that you were supposed to lose. But me personally, there's no way in hell I play him. Watching over the weekend was, that's hard. And I've said this before, time and time again, I'm not trying to be an apologist and I'm not, I certainly, I'm, I, I'm not going to apologize for being right. And I'm not going to apologize for my experiences, which allow me to make really qual- qualified decisions about, or make, make discussions and or say things that, that are going to rub people wrong because they think I've got some sort of agenda. No, Ricardo Pepe, I said it eight weeks ago, is not going to have a first good six months in Germany. It's just, and they are going to get relegated. But when they get in a game against Stuttgart and they actually need a goal, they need a goal and they've spent $20 million on this young boy and they make five subs and he's not one of them. There's just no... There's just nothing you can say at that point. And all of us who are, you know, are waiting to see him get in the game, that's one thing, right? We're all saying, oh, when's he going to get in the game? And, and if the coach doesn't believe, because this is real, man, this is, they're staring relegation in the face. If that coach doesn't believe that Ricardo Pepe can deliver, he's not getting in the game. And these are all little moments that happen through Monday through Friday, guys, when a coach watches a guy and sees his lack of confidence in front of the goal. Or sees how he walks to his car after practice. How he's miserable. Sees how other guys talk about him behind his back. Knowing that he can't understand them. These are all things that factor into a coach believing in a guy or not. We don't know how those practices are going. Is he just showing up? Strapping on? Getting a good run in every day? Getting a good sweat? Hopefully something good happens, go home? Or is he really buckling down? and saying, hey, I want to figure this out. I want to fight. My guess is no. My guess is he's not doing that because he hasn't been taught that those are the actions of somebody who wants to be a part of a team that needs to win, needs to win. It's great to win, but they have to win. And you have to have a winning mentality. And you got to fight through a really rough time. And I don't know if Ricardo Pepe is ever going to be able to fight through anything until he figures out what this looks like. Waiting for an easier time to play is something that Americans do. Well, let's get him out there when it's easier. So, what do we do? We throw him out there against Mexico and the country that he didn't choose because he chose us. And then expect somebody who's in bad form having a bad time to just miraculously. Pull something out of a hat. It actually saddens me because I, I I just think this was was uh, destined for for disappointment. All right, that's that. Christian Pulisic, I, you know, he's gonna have to you know he's gonna have to carry the carry the team once again. Tim Whale, I don't I you know he's kind of fallen off a little bit, has not had great performances of late. I think Jordan Pifuck is is the one guy that okay you know what he's scoring, you gotta you gotta ride that. You got to ride that. Josh Sargent doesn't make the team, but Paul Ariola, once again. It's very clear to me that, that I, I guess the three biggest favorites, I think you can take Sebastian Lejet off of that big favorite list. But Ariola is certainly Greg Berhalter's favorite with, you know, very close behind Ricardo Pepe and uh, Christian Roldan. That's not because they play in MLS. It's just, you can see it. Watch those little moments where they walk a, a, off the field together. Watch the, watch the guys who... Who are close to the coach and talking to him, proving that they're good guys and they're good locker room guys. And it's 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 about being a part of a team. And yeah, there's a couple of guys that are good at that. I watched Mark Dos Santos last night. Oh my God, Mark. Don't embarrass yourself like that. He's the assistant coach for LAFC, but just all over Steve Cherundolo, celebrating a victory of the, you know, over the team that fired him a couple of months back. That's what it takes, man. That's what it takes. You know, I'm not calling him a brown noser, but yeah, that's what a brown noser looks like. Uh, as, far as, um, as far as the week goes, it, it should be, uh, you know, if you're breaking this thing down, uh, my lineup is, 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 is as, I, as I've told you, I do, think, I do think Horvath should start. I don't think Sean Johnson or, or, or Zach, he's just back in, in after uh, the back injury. And then some reports are saying that it was a shoulder. I do think it'll be Robinson, Robinson, Bellow, and Yedlin, believe it or not. The reason for that is I, I just want to keep him in there. As far as center backs go, it's, it's probably going to be long. It's probably going to be Zimmerman. Yeah, it'll be Zimmerman. I just misspoke. What I meant to say was it'll be Bellow or Robinson. Even though Robinson has been a huge part of our deal. And I do think Yedlin plays in this one. And I think Zimmerman will play as well. And it will be Acosta, uh, Adams, Delatori, Musa. And then it's Pulisic, Jordan Pifo. And he'll play. He will play Jesus Ferreira, especially with Aaronson out. And he'll keep Wea and uh, Reyna on the bench. See, I'm doing it again. Instead of picking my team, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm in Greg Berhalter's, um frame of mind. And I, and I and i can't help getting out of it. Either way, uh, this is a massive week for the United States. Uh, i will be back on Thursday. I know this is tw- uh, this is um the podcast world. So we are in evergreenness, which means um uh, you don't care what time it is. You're listening to this and however you found me or found this, I, I forgot to mention that i appreciate it whether you found us through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, i don't care. You're listening to me, which means I'm making money. Thank you. That's how that works. Either way, I will hear you again or you'll hear me again uh, after the game. You can find me. Uh, I'm going to do some live hits on Twitter during the game. Uh, I'm also created with all the 11, which you might want to check out. So coaches out there who want to get some different insight on maybe what I see and, and things that you see, and we can we can go back and forth. We'll be doing that during the game. That'll be a live a live deal, a lot of fun. When all the eleven has become a, a, a passion of mine now, just connecting with coaches and and an ideology and methodology. It's it's been it's been a whole lot of fun. So yeah, make sure you're if you want to watch it with me, that's how you'll find me. I'll be on Twitter. Uh, either way, uh, continue to be good human beings out there. Uh, take care of each other, love each other, respect each other, and accept each other. And that's always uh, a good start. I am off for the day, and uh, hopefully, I'll, the next time you hear my voice. It will be of good news, of a good result in Mexico. Don't count on it. I'll hear you next time.